Welcome back to the Doggy Juice Pod, changing the way you think as a sports better. This is episode number 60, number 60, Wowzers. Thursday, October 17th, 2019, and I'm back from a small little extended weekend trip out to Northern California. I emceed my cousin's wedding in Berkeley last Saturday, and let's just say it's hard to sneak scores in your phone when everyone's eyes are on you at a wedding. But it was a nice trip. Uh, I got to get away to Napa with my fiance's family for a few days and visited some friends out there. It was nice. But I'll tell you, getting away from the desk at this time of year is not too much fun. There's just too much going on in the sports calendar this time of year. So uh, got to keep that in mind moving forward. This is the business we've chosen. So this is going to be a shorter episode. Earlier today, I sat down with Joe Rogers, my coworker over at Bet Chicago and Bet Indiana News, to talk about a few college and NFL games. So I'm going to start with some quick hitters and then move on to my interview with Joe, and then we'll close out the pod with a few thoughts and, of course, hear from our resident degenerate, the Danimal, who's on an absolute tear on his podcast plays this year. So be sure to stick around for the ending for that one. All right, let's jump right in, starting with some quick hitters. Legal sports betting is officially gone online in the state of Oregon. You can now bet legally in 13 states. We've come a long way in the past year and a half since PASPA was overturned. And if anyone wants to look at a state with one of the worst sports betting laws, look no further than Oregon. Not only can you not bet on college games, but the state lottery also runs things. Uh, Oregon lawmakers will realize soon enough when they look at other states' revenue figures that they made a pretty big mistake. But still, legalized sports betting is... Better than no legalized sports betting, I suppose. So, good job, Oregon, I guess. Not really. Your bill sucks. Mid-October means that basketball is literally right around the corner. The 2019-2020 NBA season starts next week, and college basketball, one of the softest and most robust betting markets out there, is just a few short weeks away which means it's prep time for another successful season on the betting boards. For those of you who know me, college hoops is my favorite sport to watch and handicap, and it's where I've had my most success over the years. This period of time in in October and early November really is the pinnacle window of the sports betting calendar, along with March and early April. So it's extra hard to find the time to devote to proper college basketball preseason prep work. But for those of you who are interested in diving in deeper and maybe even trying to mess around with your own numbers and your quest to beat the betting market, here's a few recommendations. In terms of a preview guide that profiles every single player and every single team, my go-to every year is the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook. It's $17 or like $16.95 for their digital guide and $24 for their print version. I always like to go with the $27 spiral edition just because it's easier to make notes on and get sloppy with as old Dave Malinsky used to recommend. And the Blue Ribbon people really should give me, uh, they should hook me up with some free press here. But the guide is that good every year for me. It's it's really worth talk, talking about and touching on. So uh, there's a few other resources that I would absolutely recommend to get you started besides that. Ken Palm is an absolute must if you are actually serious about betting college basketball. Uh, it's $20 for a yearly subscription. And Ken Palm literally helps drive the betting market. And some of the data on there is one-of-a-kind stuff. So Ken Palm is a must-have if you're serious about this. Uh, otherwise, Jeff Sagarin's ratings are also very good. You can find those. Just Google them. Um, and I, I incorporate some of his numbers into a few of my college models. So there's really some very valuable information out there. But as always, the people who are able to properly sort through that information and sift out 
the good stuff from the bullshit are the ones who are able to beat the market the most, especially early on in the season. Uh, but either way, college hoops is right around the corner, and as the season approaches, I will dive into it further here on the Doggy Juice Pod before we enter in full swing next month. The first month results are in for Indiana sports betting. Marcus Danito, my managing editor at Bet Chicago Bet Indiana News, who I brought on the podcast two weeks ago, he wrote a great story last week on the Indiana September numbers after the first month of legal sports betting. Indiana Books accepted $35.2 million in bets in the month of September, and the books held about $8.6 million of that handle, and the state took in $813,130 in tax revenue after the first month. And as of last week, there were 10 casinos taking bets in Indiana. But the important thing to mention here is that those numbers that I just reeled off, they don't include mobile betting, which makes them all the more impressive. Uh, Mobile betting accounts for at least 75 to 80% of the total betting handle in states where it is legal, like in New Jersey. And that didn't start in Indiana until October 4th, so just a few short weeks ago. And along those lines, exciting news. This week, my employer, USA Sports Gaming, officially announced the partnership between Bet Indiana and Indianapolis-based Spectacle Entertainment, which owns and operates Majestic Star Casino in Gary, Indiana. And After everything's approved, you'll be able to bet on the Bet Indiana mobile app in the state of Indiana. And this is all very exciting, and I'm very happy to be a part of it. And uh, Bet Indiana, the app's going to be billed as your hometown sports book, and I'm very excited to help them uh, get that app to stand out from the rest. I'm such a believer in the direction that this company is going in. And there's going to be a Bet Indiana sports lounge at Majestic Star where fans can watch games and wager, and eventually that will move to the brand new future land based casino that's going up in Gary in the next few years. So there's big things coming out on the horizon. And take notice, Illinois. Speaking of Illinois, I mentioned recently and and wrote about um, how the Illinois Gaming Board opened up the Illinois sports betting bill for public comment uh, last month. And I wrote a long email as part of those comments. Jill Dorson from Sports Handle wrote a great article summing up the 35-plus replies that the Gaming Board got, which I, I was one of. And she actually quoted me in the article that she wrote uh, with my, my Pandora's box comment referring to the Illinois-mandated use of official league data in the Illinois law. Um, Only time will tell if those comments actually have any impact, but if I can help at least one lawmaker think differently about the law, then I'll consider my efforts a success. But for the love of God, Illinois, get this right. There's such an opportunity here to do that and get it right, but our lawmakers here haven't, uh, haven't even been in the right ballpark for most of this, which is why they opened up the law for public comment in the first place. Oy vey. The MLB playoffs are in full swing, and the Astros are favored to win the World Series. But the Washington National, uh, the Nationals betters are sitting and waiting for the LCS to play out after sweeping the Cardinals. Uh, Nationals are going to be around plus 160 dogs, uh, at least in the World Series. But with Scherzer and Strasburg, you really just can't count them out. So uh, it's going to be interesting. The Astros will be bigger favorites than the Yankees over the Nationals. But at this point, you really have to wonder if the Nationals are just itching to get on the field again. Uh, if you're sitting for a few days now, but uh, it'll be an interesting World Series, and everyone's going to really uh, have a have a really good matchup on their hands either way. Time for some sucker. The Euro 2020 odds have been updated. I wrote a piece for Bet Chicago and Bet Indiana News yesterday about 
Uh, the Westgate Superbook's updated odds on the 2020 European Championship. France are the short shots to win at 4-1, to one, but England is right there at 5-1, to one, and then there's a whole slew of other teams right there. Belgium, 7-1. to one, Spain and Germany, 8-1. to one, Defending champion Portugal with Cristiano Ronaldo, they're 10-1. to one. And honestly, don't count out my Italians at 14-1. to one. They're pissed off after missing out on their first World Cup in almost 60 years. Uh, in 2018, the entire country freaked the hell out. And now my man, Roberto Mancini, is at the helm as the manager of the Azuri. He's the former Man City manager who helped City uh, to their first title in several decades back in 2012. And Mancini's steady hand is just what the Italians need, I think, uh, for next year's tournament. Uh, their defense is always always seems to be formidable in big tournaments, and they can fight their way to the semis and the Euros easily next year. Uh, they have a few home matches in Rome where they're going to be comfortable and they're going to be hungry to win, too. They have the talent and... As recent World Cup winners back, you know, last decade, but still just a few World Cups ago, they're going to have the confidence to win this whole thing. You know, they've been right there. Uh, the 2012 Euros comes to mind with Mario Balotelli, uh, but at 14 to one, you don't even need them to make the final to do some nice, nice maneuvering with that ticket. So I think Italy is your early Euro 2012 value team for me. Uh, and be sure to check out the Top Class Finnish Soccer Podcast. I'm going to look to bring those guys on here soon for some more Champions League talk, but I'm sure I'll be talking to them as that tournament approaches, and we'll try and see, you know, break down the, the matchups and the teams and, and see where the value lies ahead of that tournament. But it doesn't take place till June 12th of next year, but still, the betting market's open. All right, now that's it for Quick Hitters. Let's move into today's interview with Joe Rogers. All right, we're back with one of the best in the biz, Joe Rogers, senior staff writer and my co-worker over at Bet Chicago and Bet Indiana News. How's it going today, Joe? Doing well, doing well. Getting ready for these uh, World Series games starting here pretty soon, hopefully. You have, yeah. any, you have any futures on those two? No, I don't. I wish. Um, I've, I've taken the Yankees early on in the season and the Astros. Probably was the safe bet, even though the odds were... Not that good, but I don't know. What about you? Do you have anything? No, I don't. Our uh, coworker Tommy has Nats uh, twenty-one to one, I think, for the World Series. Yeah, man, that's wild. That'd I know. I offered him. I offered uh, to buy some of his ticket, but didn't hear uh, any response. So I'm assuming <laughs> that was a no. <laughs> I like their chances with the pitching, but uh, yeah, me too. I mean, Strasburg and and uh, obviously Scherz are going. It's gonna be tough. Do you think that that's? I mean, quick sidebar. Do you think? That time off is going to hurt them, though, especially if this Yankees-Astros series goes longer? I, I think it will a little bit, yeah. I mean, they're such creatures of habit, just playing every single day. You know, it's kind of like coming back from the All-Star break, I guess. But I think, I think it will mess with them a little bit. But they've also been, like, very <clears throat> using different roles throughout the postseason, like having Corbin come in out of the bullpen to hide their – you know, bullpen weaknesses, so they've kind of been going on the fly, so I think they'll be all right. Yeah, I mean, like, it's I just can't help but wonder, too, with this extra time. They were on such a roll. I mean, I don't know. They won something, like, crazy towards the end of the regular season and then kept it going in the playoffs, but I feel like usually in the past I've seen teams, you know, with this extra time, to, it's going to cool them off and do more harm than good, but I'm sure if you talk yeah. to them, they're they're totally fine with the Yankees and Astros going the distance here tiring each other out and stuff so um all right so 
let's get right to it. We have a few college games that we're going to touch on, and then we'll move on to the NFL to break down the Bears and the Colts games. But let's start with college football week eight. Tomorrow night, Friday, Northwestern is catching 28 at home against Ohio State. Uh, it's Northwestern's largest underdog role in any game in 13 years and their largest home dog role in 21 years. And our, our coworker, Eric Dewberry, wrote a game pre- preview for this one uh, about Chicago and about Indiana News. And I, I know we both feel the same way about this game. So what are, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, my thoughts are Northwestern better grow that grass an extra two inches if they're going to slow Ohio State down. <laughs> it's uh, Buckeyes. I mean, they're just so so much more talent on that team than Northwestern. The Buckeyes very close to passing Clemson in my power ratings, but I still make this game about a field goal short of the spread, so some value with the Wildcats. Um, big thing for me for this game and for the Wisconsin game against Illinois is – Ohio State and Wisconsin play each other next week, and that's a big game, not only the Big Ten, but the national picture. So, you know, going to Evanston, kind of a sleepy spot here, Friday night with Wisconsin on deck, you know, kind of like a win and, you know, be impressive, you know, win by 24, 20, 28 points. But I don't I don't really know if it's going to get out of hand. Pat Fitzgerald, money is an underdog, just really good defense, but not great, not elite, but just good. He's always had good tacklers. So I just hope that they've used this off week to find something, really anything that can fix this offense. They rank 125th nationally, total yards per game, only throwing 120 yards per game. That's dead last in the Big Ten, like last behind Rutgers last. <laughs> so, you know, it's going to be bad, but the low total – Point spreads 28. I think that, I mean, get 13, 14 points, you can, I think you can cover this. Ohio State's defense, really, really incredible with their traditional stats, but 64th in average possession uh, against adjusted defensive opponent. So I'm not really quite sold 100% on their unit that's had issues down the stretch. Last season, SP Plus says Ohio State 34 7. So that would cover – if I had to bet it, I would go with the Cats, but it's a pass for me. Yeah, I I've, I have bet Northwestern. I've put them in at 28. Uh, just catching the full, the full four touchdowns. I haven't got a full unit on it, but it's just one of those set-it-and-forget-it games. A lot of the things you said, uh, Fitzgerald is a dog. But more importantly, I think that look-ahead spot for Ohio State, they don't care about their winning margin here in Northwestern. You know they're, they're still at home. They've excelled in the spot traditionally. I mean, they covered against Wisconsin earlier this year, and it's good. You know, Ohio mm-hmm. State probably could name their score in this one, but I also think you know on a Friday night, and, and there will be more Ohio State fans in that stadium, no doubt about it. But a Friday night versus a Saturday night, yeah. I think it's going to be a little less pronounced. Um, so yeah, it's just as simple. Mm-hmm. At anything over twenty eight, if it was twenty and a half, I I go full unit. It might still get there, but just just a number. Yeah. I was I was looking at the line history. It hasn't got there, at least on Pinnacle and Chris. It hasn't hit twenty eight and a half, but you know, the majority of the market's on the Buckeyes, so increased volume might get there tomorrow. Yeah, the Joes once once they get off work tomorrow, they'll put their money on Ohio State and they'll probably go yeah. up to twenty eight and a half then and be able to fill out the rest of the ticket, but it's one of those grit and barrett games. We'll not be surprised if Ohio State wins one by you know, forty points or something, but yeah, just, just got to totally. do it. 
Uh, let's let's move on to Saturday. We have a little bit of a better game here. A, few, a lot a lot of better games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Washington versus Oregon in a pivotal pivotal Pac-12 afternoon game. I wrote about this one for for the sites today. And Oregon's a three point road favorite at Husky Stadium in this one. But the look ahead pretty much all season long has been Washington by three. And just off that alone and looking at the numbers, I'm inclined to look at Washington getting a full field goal. But the more I dive into this game, the more I want to stay off the side. Um, I, I heard earlier today on VEASAN, uh, football handicapper Paul Stone, he was mentioning Phil Steele's preseason experience ratings on one of the shows today. And he made a good point about how Washington, they only returned two starters on defense this year. And I think nine total starters. Um, and they, there was something like a number 120 out of 130 teams on Phil Steele's experience list and Oregon on the other hand they're they're number one so I you know that's kind of keeping me off it's such a big game for Oregon to try and make the the college football playoff but the total I think is where that could be the good betting angle in this game it opened at 56 at circa but was quickly snatched away and it's just been a steady flow of money uh, on the under all week it was it was at 51 a couple days ago but now it's at 49 and a half as of Thursday but I still think it's a good look on the under Uh, obviously have to reduce the I don't know, I guess the, the confidence in the bet since the Vultures have already got to the number. But I, I really want to take a look at this in the first half, especially if you can get 24 and a half on the under. Um, after losing to Auburn in week one, Oregon has held all five of their opponents to single-digit scores. and They've only given up 25 total points um, in those five games, including 16 points against three Pac-12 opponents in uh, Stanford, Cal, and Colorado. And Colorado last week was the most impressive because – Steven Montez and the Buffalo's offense can really move the ball. So uh, I think the market's still, it is starting to catch up to Oregon's defense. The total has gone under in eight of their last nine games, 12 out of their past 14. And for Washington, the unders have cashed in five of uh, the Huskies last six against Pac-12 opponents. But I just like this under, just from the standpoint of Washington runs the ball a lot, 56% of the time. And the game, it's supposed to be a rainy day in Seattle. Uh, very important game for both teams. So I could see, this one staying under early on, at least it could explode more in the second half. So, which is why I want to kind of target the first half under, but that's the way I'm looking on this one. I, not the side as, as much anymore. Do you, you have any thoughts on this one? You know, I, I've noticed that Oregon really hasn't been very good against the spread uh, as a, as a road team in the pac 12. I think they, they're roughly five for their last, 18 or something like that conference road games. So I think that wow. it's, you know, I'm, it's, it's worth pointing out, I guess it's, I'm not saying I'm going to base my play on that, but I think it's, it's worth mentioning, but I really, I really don't have, I don't really don't have a strong lean here. Yeah. I mean, they've had a tough time, like just winning any big games on the road past couple years. Um, don't have the exact, I know like last year they lost at least three pack 12 games on the road. Oregon did so it almost, it almost seems like this is the spot where they can never get the, the big win uh, on the road but at the same time they've owned this matchup in recent years uh, from it from an ATS mm-hmm. perspective uh, so I don't know it's a spot where I at first I was looking at, at Washington but now at this point I don't think I'm gonna play the side and just target that under although I'm not not doing anything crazy with it just because getting to it a little bit late uh, especially after and man I wish I was around the circus sports book to get after that under 56 mm-hmm. but um, 
All right, so our last college game that we're going to cover, we have a Big Ten battle. Michigan visits Penn State on Saturday night. The Nittany Lions are nine-point favorites. It's going to be a whiteout in Happy Valley on Saturday night. John, Jim Harbaugh still hasn't won a game as an underdog with Michigan. How, how do you see this one playing out? Yeah, I wrote I wrote this on uh, by Indiana News by Chicago. I took a little bit from your uh, Big Ten overall write-up. Like you said, Michigan, 1-7 against the spread, last eight contests on the road. Terrible against the spread against ranked teams. It's 1-9, straight up 2-8 and eight against the spread against top 10 teams. The list goes on and on and on. But for me, I'm going to back them, and it's going to be ugly. It's just – it's another week of me fading Penn State and probably going to lose because of a terrible offense with all due respect to Iowa. <laughs> we talked about this last week. Look, this team's overrated, and it has an inept offense when they face good teams. And go back to listen, go back and listen to last week's podcast. We talked about how they were outgained to weaker teams. They got outgained again to Iowa. <laughs> the problem is Michigan's offense isn't capable of doing anything. Right. I will say this. Michigan's biggest weakness, I mean, there's there's been plenty, but if you can point to, I would point to turnovers being the biggest issue, 107th in turnover rate. But Penn State's below average in turnover rates, again, kind of like Ohio State, really haven't faced any uh, really great opposing um, defensive opponent adjustment per the FEI rankings, ranking 75th. So for me, this is, I don't, I don't see there being a whole lot of points. I think you touched on it on you like the under. Yeah. Well, you know, I have Penn State closer to seven. Do you think Penn State's going to outscore Michigan by double digits? I mean, this I, – I really don't think we're going to get the same Michigan team that showed up against Wisconsin. This is, this is a team that beat Penn State 42-7 to last year. So, I think they – I think it's a lot closer than what people expect. I, I've seen a lot of or heard a lot of talking heads, um, popular ESPN podcaster just thinks that Penn State is going to destroy Michigan here. So mm-hmm. uh, I'll go. I'll go against it. I've already. I've already uh, bet plus nine with Harbaugh. So hopefully we can correct these trends here. Yeah, like I've that was my initial inclination when I saw this line was just immediately to to fire away on Michigan. And it's it's tough to do that, especially like this year, but I totally agree with, with what you're saying. The value side seeming to be uh, Michigan or pass on this one. Uh and I would really like to get 10 to get involved. But another angle, like it I, I do like the under, which and it, the under's been interesting all week just because Pinnacle, I'm looking at their line right now, they were down to as low as 44 and a half 45 and a half earlier in the week but it's ticked up to 46 and a half on there it looks like it's 47 um a lot of other offshores right now so that's the way i want to look on this one but i think to kind of get the under and and i agree with everything you said about you know that's under oriented or under related in this one but i think getting involved in the nittany lions team total under could be a good look i mean 20 i've seen a lot of 28s 28 and a half would really be a good number but i think I can't see Michigan moving the ball against that Penn State defense, but vice versa too. I think Penn State's going to have a tough time against that Michigan offense. A lot of the stuff we talked about on the podcast last week too. Don't think they've all of a sudden corrected themselves. Uh, but the market keeps mm-hmm. crashing tickets with the Nittany Lions on the spread. So that's that's part yeah. of the, that value opening up in the marketplace for you. 
Yeah, I think I think also they see, oh, it's the wideout game, you know, that's going to have a home f- extra home field advantage, okay. and that might be the case. But it's also going to, I think, it'll infl- inflate the line just a little bit. Mm-hmm. If this gets to 10, that's where I'm going to get involved. But I'm going to see if, you know, if it sticks around 9, I might join you. Uh, but, yeah, the, another thing, a little trend, not the biggest trends guy at all, but the total has gone under in seven straight Big Ten games for Penn State. I think it's going to be eight in a row after uh, after this one ends. So, uh, all right, let's move on to NFL. I'm just going to cover two games here: one for the people of Indiana, the Colts and the Texans, and then the other one, the Bears and the Saints. Uh, let's start with the Colts and Texans. The Colts are uh, one point favorites. Totals forty seven. Both teams in this game are coming off their their last game was a win over Kansas City on the road. Texans have looked like world beaters since. They lost at home to the Panthers. Uh, they dropped 53 on the Falcons, and they won out right against the Chiefs last week. Uh, what, what do you think about this one? So just a quick uh, preview. Not only is first place in the AFC South on the line, the winner, because both teams have the tiebreaker of the Chiefs, could be in the driver's seat for their number two seed after this week if you want to start looking to the playoffs already. I found that a little bit interesting. That If, if everything goes right, I mean – the Ravens have to lose. Some other teams will have to lose, but you know it's it's a big game. It's a big game. And recently, or the past two games, the Colts have won and covered against the Texans. Historically, the Colts have owned the Texans. I wrote this preview for Bay Indiana News about Chicago. Check it out. You can see how far back since really since the Texans joined the league, the Colts have been, you know, their their biggest rival. Honestly. And, you know, the spread was one and a half yesterday, now one today. Uh, Dave at CG Technology, he thinks the Colts are the right side here. So I really hope that's the case because I got minus four in games the year before the Andrew Luck retirement. So I got uh, some decisions to make. I haven't decided what my next move is. But I do like the extra week of rest, helping Brissett's playmakers get healthy. Uh, Texans, Bradley Roby is out for this one cornerback. I think Watson is a little getting, uh, getting slightly overvalued mm-hmm. after impressive performances against the Falcons and chiefs, but we know those defenses really aren't that good. Colts right. better. I think the Colts are better with Leonard and Clayton gathers back, obviously on defense, healthier team. And so I, I lean to the Colts. I lean to the Colts, but I have that minus four ticket. Now it's minus one. What do you think I should do with it? I mean, at this point, not much you can really do. You just got to kind of grin and bear it with that minus four ticket. But if I'm you, I'd probably just add on uh, some money line on the Colts too and just <laughs> double down. Hope they uh, obviously cover the four too. But uh, I, I like the Colts here on the money line. Get, I'm seeing some uh, minus 115 money lines in the marketplace. And wouldn't even be surprised if this one dipped down uh, just with the public looking to back the Texans again for the uh, you know another week. Uh, remembering what they saw last, but I think you you hit the nail on the head before you you said the Texans the last two uh, games came against pretty poor defenses. They're going to see a way different mm-hmm. defense uh, at Lucas Oil Stadium on Sunday, and a, and a defense that's rested too, and has you know players that are back healthy. They've had two weeks to prepare for, prepare for this game, and it's a big game for them too. So I, I do think the Colts are the side here um, at Pickham on the money line. So I think you got a real shot to actually cash that uh minus four ticket even even though probably both of our numbers in the market says that you probably have you know less than a 
a 40% chance of hitting that. But, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's think, hope. Let's hope. Big Colts fan this week, so yeah. they can win me over. I don't really have a NFL team that I – well, it's, in year two, so maybe the Colts can win me over. It could be the team. I mean, it's almost like the little engine that could this year, so to speak, just because you know no one really expected much of anything out of them when once you know once Luck retired. But before Luck retired, they were one of the most popular Super Bowl bets, and you know, people. Mm-hmm. So I, and Brissett's obviously shown that he's more than capable as a backup. He's not going to win you the Super Bowl. He's not going to bring you to the Super Bowl, but he's not going to prevent you from doing it. So I. I like the look on the Colts this week too. Uh, let's look at the other at my personal favorite team, the one that's broken my heart. Although I was born about nine months after the Bears did win their Super Bowl, so I do have them to thank. Uh, my <laughs> Chicago Bears, Chicago Bears, uh, they are uh, three point favorites at home against the Saints uh, with with extra juice. Some places are still hanging three and a half. The totals thirty eight. Uh, this is rare for me. I'm, I'm actually taking a hard look at the Bears here with two weeks rest. Uh, Bridgewater and the Saints, they've won all four of Bridgewater's starts since Breeze went down, but all four of those wins have come by one score or less. But the New Orleans defense has been superb, and that's obviously what would worry me here. But the Bears defense, they've had two weeks to prepare for this one. The thing that worries me is injury issues. Um, Akeem Hicks is done for the season for the Bears on the D-line, mm-hmm. and then uh, Kyle Long's out um, in the old line And those are two big voices on each on each line two leaders and we have the whole Trubisky you know issue coming back but obviously as we know the market kind of has him and, and Chase Daniel valued the same but I can't help but think Trubisky comes back which is what it's expected to happen I think it might boost the team a little bit um, but either way this is a spot where what I want to do at least I, I'm looking to make a live bet on whoever establishes an early lead in this one just because I think that really plays into the other team's strength the Saints they're going to want to try to run the ball with Kamara, who's also banged up, another guy to mm-hmm. pay attention to. I think he's going to play, but uh, they, they're going to want to force the Bears to throw the ball. And likewise, the Bears, they're going to want to go up early and force Bridgewater uh, into more obvious passing situations, which will play into the Bears' strength. So I think this is one of those live betting, like one of those games that's ripe for live betting, not to say that we should blindly play on the team that, that establishes an early lead, but I think that's the way um, I want to look at this. And, and Joe, you were all over this too. Uh, a trend that does not back the Bears this week. Uh, since 2013, teams coming uh, to play at home off their bye are 45, 60, and 5 against the spread, which does not bode well uh, for the Bears with the extra rest uh, laying the three points. But that's the only way I look here, though. What, what do you think? doesn't bear well for the Colts either, so maybe we can uh, flip the trend this week. I, I do I, yeah. I do lean the uh, – in the Bears way. We talked about it last week. I really like the buy low, sell high spot. Everybody remembers what the Bears did against their lowly Raiders in London. You know, I don't like talking too much, taking too much away from the overseas game. This one, this one's tough for me. I'd probably pass. It does appear like the Saints are a big public underdog for the week, which is a side I never like being on. And we talked to Robert Walker, oddsmaker, bet Indian oddsmaker. He said this game looks like a dead under. It's hard to disagree with him. I know it's 38, uh, but it's going to be it's going to be a tough defensive game. And the Saints have won their last couple of games with defense. Teddy Bridgewater's been a game manager. He hasn't he took deep shots against the Bucks, but that's how you beat the Bucks. But for the most part, he's just been you know captain checkdown, control the clock type of guy. But you know, like you said, Kamara's banged up. 
Bears defense is still is still elite. So, you know, I don't think it matters whether Daniel or Trubisky plays either. So, so for me right now, key number three, if it gets off it, I don't think it will. Then I'll make a move. But I agree with the with the in play hand with the in play angle for sure. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. The under is an appealing look. It's just you know, at thirty eight, it's just so hard to get involved because like they can almost accidentally get there if you know if there's a short field yeah. or a pick six. But yeah, I mean, to your point with with Bridgewater's check down Charlie and uh, Trubisky is the same way. His depth of target is super eye popping, and his his uh, he just isn't airing the ball out down the field. So this game has the look of one that we're just not going to see any big plays outside of you know, freakish broken tackle or like a, a special teams touchdown or something like that. So uh, could could be worth the look on the under, even at that low total. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's all we got for today. Um, that's, uh, yeah, wow. It's, it always still goes longer than I expect, but uh, it was good bringing you on again. Yeah, we won't we won't talk about uh, Rutgers last week. No, no, no. We can... I think I adjusted them another four points down, and I don't think it will be enough. Yeah, they're, they're a team at this yeah. point. That I'm to use the phrase from the great uh, late great handicapper Dave Malinsky, I've put Rutgers in the drawer, the drawer this week and moving forward. Just uh, not going to bet on or against them for the time being while they sort themselves out. Of course, I say that, and there'll be some big spread down the line that we'll probably end up losing money on them again. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> My ugly dog of the week is Illinois. Like I mentioned earlier, 31 and a half. So hopefully the hook actually means something. I'm right there with you. I, I the, the half point though, I haven't got that. So good job getting that 31 and a half. If it lands 31, then, then uh, I'll be jealous. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. All right. Good talking to you, Joe. I will uh, bring you back on again soon. Take care. All right. Thank you. Take care. All right. Thank you very much, Joe. That was excellent. Uh, you can find Joe on Twitter at RogersBC. And that's Rogers with the letter D as in dog. Um, before I close out the pod and, and we quickly touch on Danimal's picks for the week, uh, I do want to touch on this notion of home field advantage in the NFL and how the market is adapting to the trend on on road teams crushing it this year. Uh, road teams are sixty are, are hitting sixty two percent against the spread uh, in twenty nineteen so far. Some guys have come out and, and, and said um, how they're, they're lowering their home field advantage ratings. And my opinion of this is it's important to note um, a lot of people get screwed up on this, that home field advantage in the NFL, um, it, you know, they just think, oh, the home crowd and maybe travel. But home field advantage is it's encompassed by many factors. There's travel, sleeping in your own bed, going through your normal routine, how active the crowd is, how unique the field is and how unique the setting is. Um, but as a whole, the market looks like it is adjusting to this trend on road teams and road teams, you know, they're continuing to crush it against the spread as the 2019 season continues to unfold. But, um, this is something I want to touch on more in the future. I'm actually writing an article, um, for Bet Chicago, Bet Indiana news this week about it, reaching out to some odds makers to, um, hear their point of view on this as well. So stay tuned on that because this is a very interesting development in the NFL season so far and, um, trying to uncover, and, and look at the data and see if this is if this is more narrative or if it's actually predictive moving forward. But either way, it's something to think about. You know, usually it's a typical three points for home field advantage, and uh, I think it might not be that simple anymore. But we'll see. 
before we close out the pod, let's check in with Danimal, who just ran the Chicago Marathon last week, to see uh, what his picks are for the week. What is up, everybody? It's your boy Danimal checking in for week seven of the Doggy Juice pod. Um, another amazing week for the Danimal. I don't know what's going on, but I'm not complaining. Um, but like I say every week, if only I bet the games that I provided on here, I'd be rolling in dough. But I was training for the marathon, laid on the couch all day Saturday, and managed to bet about 30 different bets. So I had a losing day, even though I gave out almost all winners on the pod. Nonetheless, more winners here. Western Michigan over Eastern Michigan. Western Michigan's given eight and a half, nine. Teams are just going the opposite ways. Conference play starting. Eastern Michigan's awful. Look for a double-digit win by Western Michigan. Air Force minus three over Hawaii. I know, I know the Falcon game didn't come to fruition, but Air Force covers in Hawaii. Love, love the Pokes. OK State, minus three and a half, four over Baylor. OK State wins this game. Guaranteed. BYU plus seven over Boise. Getting that touchdown is huge. I think this is a very, very close game. Give me the seven with the Mormons. Ohio State on Friday night, another square bet. How does Northwestern score? No way they get double digits. Ohio State wins this game by 35-40. Taking the first half as well. Night game will be 90% Ohio State fans here in Chicago. Blowout. Easy blowout. Last one in college, total, Maryland, IU, over 59. That's my totals guy. He's unbelievable. So just put this in and expect to win. I am also went large on Oregon, Washington, over 50 for my Pac-12 guru on Twitter. However, he bought off this game because it's supposed to be pouring in Seattle all weekend, but I stick to my guns. I'm still riding it. So if you want, but I would stay away from that. NFL, don't really love this slate again. I'm on the Lions plus one against the Vikings and the G-men and the Cardinals over 49. I think this game flies over 50. Giants can't stop anybody, but their offense is back healthy. So there's no problem with both these teams getting close to 30 points each. That's it for week seven. Danimal out. Thank you very much to the Danimal. Um, I totally agree with Dan on Oklahoma State. I'm, I'm on the money line. I actually found minus three, uh, minus 115 juice, I believe. Maybe it was like minus 116 juice earlier in the week. But if you can get three, that's a real good go. Otherwise, I agree with him. Three and a half, four is fine for a little bit less. Also, maybe looked at the money line. But Oklahoma State's taking down undefeated Baylor this week. I think it's going to happen too. Uh, disagree with Dan's take on the Ohio State game. Obviously, I talked about that with Joe. We're going to grin and bear it, taking the points, with, or at least I am, with Northwestern. Um, and Joe said he's neutral on that game. But I'm on Northwestern in that one. Disagree with Dan. And then uh, the other game that I don't agree with, obviously, is the total in, in Washington, Oregon. But, hey, someone's got to win. Not everyone can win every time. Just shooting for that 55%, baby. And uh, all about just bringing you winners. So, That's going to do it for this week. It's actually been a nice long pod for you all, longer than I expected, so hopefully brought some good betting angles to you. 
Uh, but I'll be back next week, as usual, on Thursday with a new episode, another new guest. Uh, right in full swing of the season, college hoops right around the corner. Uh, as always, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Doggy Juice. Good luck this weekend with your bets, and I will talk to you all next week. Doggy Juice out.